ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. It is Monday, July 12th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can be a part of the program by calling the White Claw phone lines. We open those up every day for you at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. White Claw, hard seltzer. It is made here. Coming up today on the program, we're going to have comments from Eli Neal. Also, Grant Wells. We'll get their thoughts on the upcoming season. It was interesting talking to Eli about the journey getting back to football. So I'm excited to share that with you today. And also when I was talking with Grant, uh, we talked about a couple of things as far as having Tim Cramsey back, having him a part of this coaching staff. I also asked him straight up, was it important that you had Cramsey back to be a part of this new staff, to buy into it? And you'll, you'll appreciate his answer. Phone calls are always welcome. Social media, always welcome. You can do that on Twitter at Paul Swan. Also, on Facebook, we've got a page for you called The Drive with Paul Swan. And, of course, you can also be a part of the group. Just search The Drive with Paul Swan group. Either way, that's a great way to get a hold of me. Home Run Derby's coming up tonight. We're going to have that for you at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. As, of course, it's the All-Star break. Pirates are off today for the next few days. So instead, we've got the home run derby. But, you know, with the with the draft going on, it was a good time for the Pirates. Pirates selected Louisville catcher Henry Davis with the first pick in the amateur draft on Sunday. So hopefully that will translate into something good for them down the line. Pirates, of course, they could be in a better position. I mean, they are playing okay. Just I don't think they've got enough to to maybe get out of the middle of the pack here. That's the problem. You know, some days they're playing pretty good and like, oh, that's the team you, you expect to see. And then other days it's just they get outclassed, it feels like. I don't know what the what the disconnect here is. But you get the first overall pick in the amateur draft and you think you got a good one in Henry Davis. So let's hope that the Pirates can rebuild from there. Of course, basketball action, probably the bigger story when I get into. I told you the Bucks and Six. I said it, Bucks and Six. And right now we're three games in, and it's possibly Bucks and Six. I'm sticking to that. I'm sticking to Bucks and Six until absolutely having to acknowledge it's going to end sooner or it's going to go to seven. But it's going to five at least because – the Bucks just blew up on Phoenix, 120 to 100 on Sunday night. Now it's a 2-1 lead in the NBA Finals. Hey, this NBA Finals thing is hard, isn't it, Phoenix? This is the first time that the Finals have been in Milwaukee since 1974. First time Finals since 1974. That's a long time. That's a little shy of 50 years, but that's still a long time. So Milwaukee, back on the main stage of the NBA. And with Giannis, I think you got a shot in this. Giannis fired up. 41 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. Chris Paul had 19 points and 9 assists. But that was it. I mean, Devin Booker shot just 3 for 14. He had 10 points. So really, you didn't get much there. Giannis, 41 points, 13 rebounds, 6 assists. Yeah, I'm sticking with Bucks and 6. 
I will relent if I have to for seven, but I, I'm taking the Bucks in six. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Speaking of basketball, Marshall men's basketball picking up another recruit for the 2022 class, getting a verbal commitment from six foot seven Jacob Connor. He is a standout from Kettering, Ohio Alter. He's also playing for the Wildcat Select AAU program. And another name you might recognize on that Wildcat Selects AAU program is Polka High School star and a commit to Virginia, Isaac Manili. So there you go. What do we got coming up for you tonight? Well, we're going to hear from Eli Neal. I'm going to talk to him. You're going to find out what he thinks about his new journey with a football coach that has only been on the job for a few months. Also, he's kind of all in on Coach Huff. You would think at this point players that are there are all in on Coach Huff. And I wanted to get from him what excited him about Coach Huff. Also, I wanted to find out from him in his own words, what was it that he's seen that makes him believe that when Coach says closing the gap, he means it and it's something that can be achieved. So we're going to get into that conversation with Eli Neal. Later on, Grant Wells. Grant has got another year now. He's progressed. He's had a full season. He's had off-season New coach, he's got Tim Cramsey back. There's a lot of buy-in on him. Guys had to basically say, that's our guy. We're going to stick with him. We're going to back him up. And he proved them right. I think that helped him. And also the fact that he was proving them right, the guys that bought in on him feel better about it now. And they got better as the season progressed. Of course, I'm not going to I'm not going to forget the just abysmal finish that the football team made. I can't forget that. But all in all, Grant, I thought, progressed well, and he's got the support of his teammates. They bought in on him. He bought in on them, and it seemed to work out. So I'm going to talk to Grant a little bit later on. We'll get your phone calls in, of course, at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. i got more coming up including Eli Neal, when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Monday, July 12th edition The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Last week, I had a chance to catch up with Eli Neal. You know, we're getting closer to football season when we start to have these little get-togethers once again. And it was a while since uh, I've talked to Eli. It's been a while since I've talked to a lot of these guys. Last time, really had a chance to even talk to some of them was on Zoom. And it's just better in person. These kids, they put up with Zoom, but it's just better to actually be able to talk to someone. And that's what I did with Eli earlier last week. And... I want to kind of get from him what his journey was like. Just trying to get back to football. You got a new coach, and you're trying to get back to football. You've gone through a pandemic now, and things are getting closer to what you remember them to be. So what was that journey like for him? Just trying to get back to what football was. It, it actually hasn't been as bad as most people would think. Uh, coach Huff coming in with just the injury that the team has as, as a whole. You know, the team has pretty much been a player-led team, and we always know we want to go just as players. And Coach Huff coming in with just this new energy and um, 
it just keeps us afloat. Like all the coaches had the same energy, it keeps us afloat even days. Everyone gonna have down days and days where it's like, ah, oh, we gotta go again. But um, just the energy of the of, of this program and just this football team has just been through the roof, and it's just made the transition way easier than most would think. So the energy's there. The transition has been pretty good. He's enjoying things so far with Coach Huff, and I want to know from him what excited him most about getting back to action. Full capacity. That's what that's what um, motivates me a lot. You know, I got a taste of it my freshman year, and just got to be able to see um, just a, a stadium full of fans, and it was great. You know, and just being able to be a leader on this team and be able to just make my presence felt and just feel the the rush of the crowd when everyone makes a big play. It's just going to be amazing this year. See, that's important. These kids, they feed off the fans. This is important. So if you're there and you're supporting the team and you're cheering and you're excited, they're feeding off of that. Just want to point that out. That's what excites him the most about getting back to action, being able to perform in front of you, in front of fans. Same same kind of direction here. What excited him most about Coach Huff? Coach Huff comes in and preaches close the gap. And, you know, that's just something we've been trying to do as a, as a program for the last couple of years. It always seems like, you know, we're right there, we're doing good, number one in the conference, and then it's just small mistakes that just lead to a ultimate, like, bigger slip-up. And um, him coming in just preaching close the gap um, just helped us a whole lot and just helped us keep going. Yeah, that's a good point because you point that out. Hey, you're a good team. you got a lot to work with here. There have been some things that have held you back, but they're fixable, and Coach Huff is really selling home close the gap. That's something you're going to hear. I'm going to chart it if I remember to every time he talks about closing the gap. I'm just going to have a, a, a chart because he's really trying to make sure that these kids buy into closing the gap getting better every day, trying to make sure that you're doing everything you need to do to get from where you want to be from where you are, thus closing the gap. But actions do speak louder than words. You got to have something that shows you that this is real. This isn't just coach speak. This isn't him trying to say something motivational. You got to actually have something tangible, something that you've seen, you've have experienced something that makes you want to buy into what he's saying about closing the gap. And this is what it was for Eli Neal. Just a couple of things that he's came in and um, iterated from the beginning is uh, we're a lot more uniform now um, from the things we wear, the lines we're in, um, what we eat, what we do, um, coming in, just changing our bodies as a whole, like physically. Um, we've came in, the strength coaches, uh, everyone cut a lot of fat off. We had our... Um, uh, our goal body weights and this, that, and the third, and just be able to take pictures um, in the beginning and at the end of losing however much weight you lost or gaining however much weight you need to gain. Um, and it seems like something so small, but that's something that can just carry you through the rest of the season, just the small things like that. He's got a point. You can start rebuilding a team or you can start putting a team in order by making those personal evaluations. I mean, do you need to get bigger? Do you need to get faster? Do you need to get stronger? And how do you do that? The weight room is very important, and that's something that he has seen that makes him believe, okay, they're serious here about this. They're putting everything into this. They want to make sure that we are where we need to be to be able to do this. So that was my takeaway from him. That was something tangible for him, not just, hey, we're going to do this. Well, how do you do this? 
But first of all, we're going to get you to where you need to be. And you have seen the weight room. You have seen the way that Marshall has been able to motivate these kids, energize these kids, and show them the results. But you know what? Self-evaluations aside, and I've asked Eli a little bit later on what he thought of how he was progressing. He's been out there grinding. He's been with his teammates. He's been with his, well, his brothers. He's been out there. Same situation everyone else is in. And I asked him just to kind of give me an idea of when you're out there, when you look around, when you when you see guys working out every day, when you see guys grinding, who's impressed you most? If I if I can be 100% honest, I know it's going to seem like a cliche answer, but everybody. Um, just the hunger after last season and the way last season ended, um, you can see it in everyone's eyes every every second of the day. Anytime we step out on the field, you can tell that um, we really want it and we want to see change here. Um, and just bring it all the way home. So uh, just to give you an honest answer, that's everyone on the team from the O-line to the receivers to tight ends, the whole defense, we're still hungry. We still want to be um, what we're destined to be. Okay, that's a great generic answer. I mean, that's a very good answer. Yeah, I'm not going to single anyone out. You know, I, I think everybody's been doing well. They're progressing. No, nah, I didn't want that. I, I wouldn't take that. So I kind of I put him on the spot. Like, look. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. You have to tell me. You got to give me somebody who's standing out most to you. Who's put who's put the most in that you think that is going to have a great season. You know, I had to have somebody from him. Here's who he gave me. Abraham Boplan. Okay. Uh he played next to me last year, a linebacker, but um we ran we switched from um uh 3-4, like where we had four linebackers out there. and I mean, well, three. I'm tripping. Well, we have three linebackers out there. And now uh, we're switching to two. And he's playing more of a, a wheel role instead of a Sam Backer role. So he's going to get to play a lot more this year. And I just want to see him be able to play a whole game and, and see how it turns out. He's a hard worker. And uh, I'm just excited to see him. So that's who he's excited to see. Now, I told him to look inward. I wanted to know from Eli where he was at. Give me a self-evaluation. Where I'm at right now is um, I'm the most locked in I've ever been. Um, I know this season is going to be real vital to where I'm trying to go and who I'm trying to be. And uh, I've been taking tremendous strides towards that. Um, last year, I played at 240 the whole season. I cut that weight, and I'm going to play a little bit uh, lighter this year. It's going to be a surprise for y'all. I'm not going to tell y'all now, but it's going to be a surprise. Um, I cut that weight, and uh, I'm playing a, a lot more different this year. I'm getting back to my roots and the way that I played more in high school. Last year I was more of a, a run stopper. I'm going to get to fly around a whole lot more this year. Conditioning helps. If you're going to fly around, you better be in good shape. So he's not going to tell us all the details just yet. I'm looking forward to seeing where he's at when the time comes. Grant Wells, we're going to hear from him when we continue. What stood out to you about what Eli Neal had to say? Where would you where would you put him as far as evaluating where he's at, evaluating the season for him? What are your thoughts on Eli Neal? Find me on Twitter at Paul Swan. Also, Facebook, The Drive with Paul Swan. What's your take on Eli Neal? When we continue, we're going to get Grant Wells' thoughts. I asked him, basically, how have you progressed this year? kind of wanted to get a feel from him, sort of a self-evaluation as well. Also, how important was it? to have Tim Cramsey back. Was that a big deal for you? Did you need Tim Cramsey to buy in on this coaching staff? You'll find out what he had to say when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. 
is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our phone lines this hour brought to you by White Claw at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. White Claw Hard Seltzer, it is made pure. Grant Wells had a chance to catch up with the quarterback of the Thundering Herd last week. We got into a lot of good things. I asked him about name, image, and likeness. I kind of asked him a little bit about what his options are in offense. But I want to start with how he's progressed. You know, Last year, he was thrown into it. He's thrown into the situation. He's the quarterback. He's going to be the guy starting. And there was a lot of buy-in. He comes out. He performs well. And you feel really good about where he's at at his stage of his career. And so now he's had some time. He's got a new coach. He's had some time. He's gone through it. So nothing's really new for him as far as you know what to expect from being on the field. You know the game speed now. You know everything. I mean, you're playing at a college football level now. You know it. And you did well. But with a coach coming in that you haven't worked with before up until this point and going through his expectations and trying to get better at the same time and doing all this while we're still de- we're still dealing with a pandemic I just want to know what was new from him what was different as he as he's progressed from last year yeah the mentality is is completely different than last year um, you know I got the job around this time last year and I didn't have that much time to work with the receivers and the offense uh, you know like as the leader but I've used this time um, this summer to work on my leadership and you know just the the relationship I've had with all the guys on the offense and that brought me up to the buy-in from last year he was basically appointed the leader here he is he's your quarterback and the guys on the offensive line trusted him and said, look, we're backing you up. Let's go do this. We're going we're gonna to buy in on you. And he had to have that so he could go out there and perform and have the confidence to perform. And so now he's been through that. The guys are backing him up. They know what to expect. They see how he's working. They're all in on Grant Wells. Is that buy-in from last year paying off this year at this point? Sure. I mean, um, you know, I had to gain their trust because it was a very uh, mature offense and I, you know, I was the young guy out there. There was no question about that. And um, I certainly worked on gaining their trust fast and quickly because the season was just right around the corner this time last year. And now that um, now that I have their trust and now that this is a very mature, um, mature team and, you know, I'm finally in that crowd, you know, all that stuff that we did last year's is uh, just growing right now. Now, one thing that's going to benefit him is you've got a new head coach. So you're going to conform to, of course, what his expectations are. He's putting you in a different direction. He wants to do things the Charles Huff way. He's the head coach. That's why he was brought in, to do things the Charles Huff way. But at the same time, you've got it maybe a little easier. I don't know. Maybe that's not fair. You've got a more familiar situation. Maybe the playbook's going to be opened up a lot more now that you've had some year, some time under Tim Cramsey. But, hey, you got Tim Cramsey. He's back. He's with you once again. So, really, your dynamic, while different, in so many ways stays the same. And Grant talked about that. Sure, it's cer- certainly different. Um, like you said, 
my guy is still here, the guy I talk to every single day, um, the guy that I have to have, you know, a great relationship and think alike uh, with Crams is, is still here, and that's great. Um, but also we have, you know, a bunch of other new coaching staff, um, you know, coaches here that uh, along with everybody else we have to have a relationship with because we're all, you know, going to have to work together throughout this whole season. So, you know, I think we've done that in the spring. I think we had a great spring, and um, we had we learned a lot about each other uh, in the spring, and um, you know, practicing and going through the games and everything. So that that was that was new, um, and I think that re- went really well. And you know, my relationship with Cramsey is just growing. Um, you know, I think it's getting better day by day. Like I said earlier, I talked to him every day about you know what's going on with the team and what's going on with with the offense and everything. So, you know, we're starting to think alike, and um, that's gonna. Pay dividends in the season. Yeah, if you're kind of seeing what your your quarterback coach is seeing or your offensive coordinator is seeing, you're kind of seeing a little bit more of what the guys coaching you are seeing, and you're starting to see, oh yeah, that that's where I need to be. It makes more sense, and so when they ask you to do something, you know a little bit better. You know what you're you're looking to do, what is expected, why they're asking you to do that. So that's a plus there, but. With any quarterback, there's going to be a, there's going to be a buy-in, right? Again, I, I keep talking about that. There's a buy-in, and for a lot of these guys coming back to the situation with Coach Huff, and you're sitting there. This is a new coach, okay? You know, Doc was my guy. Doc was my guy, and now there's this new guy, and you had to buy in on him. For Grant, I asked him about the buy-in a little bit different. Not what was it about closing the gap that made you say I'm in on this. It's just Hey, here, here's a situation where everything's changing for you, and all the coaches are going to be different, but there's Tim Cramsey. Was it important to have Coach Cramsey back to really get you to buy in on this new staff? No, I wouldn't say I, you know, I had to have him here to be here, um, but you know, it certainly helped. That was certainly one guy that I could, I could ask questions that, that I probably wouldn't ask a new coach. Um, and he'd give me answers. Uh, so having that guy uh, still here and, and pretty much going through the same thing I did, just on a different level, um, you know, was you know, very, uh, very helpful. Now, a little bit more on his own team. I kind of want to get a feel from him. He's got a different situation than some of the other guys. You got running backs, you got wide receivers, you got offensive linemen. I just want to kind of get a feel from him. Where do you see some of the better performances, or who's standing out to you? Uh, Billy Ross is some guy I'm, I'm really excited to see. I'm, you know, you know, we, it's, it's no secret we lost a, a big weapon on the offensive line, and I think he'll fit right in um, with that offensive line. It's a very mature offensive line, a lot of games under their belt, um, and you know, that's one group I don't really have to worry about. I'm, I think I felt really well with him with them, and. Um, the running backs is, you know, it's another position that we lost a big part of. Um, but I think we have more than enough pieces there to be successful, you know, with Sheen, you know, with Pop, with Knowledge and Shell. Um, Shell's one of the biggest leaders on the team, and, you know, he's going to have that, that room tight. And then the receivers, you know, that's, that's, they're, they're finally getting uh, to be where, you know, they have games under their belt. And we have, you know, it's sitting here last, last year, that was a, that was a young room, and that's not the same this year. And uh, I'm super excited about that. Grant Wells excited about really what he's got to work with 
And so I wanted to know from him, just after hearing that a little bit, does he feel like he's got more options now? When you look across the line, you see what you've got to work with, you see who you can go to. Do you feel like you've got more options now on offense? You know, there were a few pieces lost, um, you know, whether in the transfer portal or on the draft. Um, and I, I wish those guys the best, but, you know, the guys that we have here in the positions I just named, we're, this can be our our second year together with me. Um, and we're all starting to speak the same language. We're all starting to think the same. And that's going to be huge in this offense that, that we're putting in is we have to start thinking thinking alike. And it would have been hard last year with, with me not playing with them. But last year we had all that experience and all that time together um, in games and in practice so where we're starting to think alike. And um, that's only going to help. You know what that sounds like to me? The playbook's opening up. The playbook is opening up, and I've already heard that from a few guys. Talking to them, they, they're they going to throw the ball deep. It's going to go over some heads, and I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see what kind of offense we'll see on the field. Now, finally, when talking to Grant, name, image, likeness, that's not going away. That's going to be the new battleground for recruiting. I mean, just look at what Miami is involved in right now. Seriously, Google NIL Miami. Just Google it, and you can see all the insanity that's going on. This is going to be the new frontier, and you're going to have – I don't know yet if there's going to be some cohesiveness to this because it is, to use a a cliche, it's the wild, wild west out there. It really is. It's a new frontier. There's – I'm not saying it's lawless. I'm not saying that. It's it's not it's not tombstone here. It's it's just the wild wild west. Think of it in movie terms. You know, just a it's like I don't want to say it's wagon train just yet, but it's it's the wild wild west. It's not lawless, but we we don't know. You know we're we're all trying to figure this out right now. I mean, you might have a you might have an altercation at the saloon now and then. Maybe I don't know, but we don't know what what's going to happen here. What what kind of uniform regulations will Congress, if any, throw on this here? Will there be stronger guidance from the NCAA? Okay, this is what we need to see happen. It will something happen to make this more uniform? But as it stands right now, name, image, likeness, that is going to be the new frontier, the new battleground. And if schools can't help their student-athletes with opportunities— Are they going to lose recruits? I don't think you're going to lose out on too many kids because of name, image, and likeness. You might lose a kid. You might lose someone who sees that and thinks that that outweighs some of the other things that you are bringing to the table, some of the other benefits you're offering as a coach, as a football program. And, of course, you're going to have those kids. But at the same time, name, image, and likeness now opens up some new avenues, some new opportunities. And I wanted to get Grant's take on now being in a place where a lot of other students, not necessarily student-athletes, but just students, they can take advantage of their name, image, and likeness. They can go out, and if they're able to, to put together deals, they can do it and still be in college. Why can't you, right? Here's Grant's take on it. I'm super thankful that the NCAA finally passed this rule. I mean, um, you know as well as I do that we don't have the same opportunities to make money as, as they do. We're, we're here pretty much 24-7 in this facility. So the fact that we can finally, you know, market ourselves and make money is um, going to, you know, be huge in the in the fact that uh, NCAA players can make money. And um, we have 
we as student athletes have, you know, a bigger opportunity to make money because, you know, we can market ourselves on the field unlike, you know, any other people. So we're finally going to be able to, you know, make money off, not just money, but just market ourselves as a, as a person um, off the field, you know, for the, for the, um, for the time we spent here. The relationships that I'm going to make through this um, name, image, and likeness bill is going to be, you know, more beneficial than any any kind of money that I'm going to make. And um, you know, those relationships weren't really available without this rule because I didn't really have time to make those relationships um, on a personal level level um, without this. So now he can make some some relationships. He can form business partnerships, possibly. He can take advantage of his name, his image, his likeness. He can cash in on some of the value of being the Marshall quarterback has or being Grant Wells has. Honestly, here's the game plan now. These kids, all of them, doesn't matter if it's tennis, volleyball, softball, soccer, track and field, basketball, swim and dive teams, golf, football, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter sport. It comes down to this. They're all going to have to take pages out of the social media influencer playbook. That's how you're going to have to do this right now. We'll see how this evolved, but they're all influencers right now. That's where they're going to cash in. Some are going to maybe get enough to go to a movie, have a nice dinner, pay for some books, you know, maybe get a couple of... um, Get a couple of new shirts. You know, just little things. Maybe didn't have the extra cash to do that. Other universities, yeah, maybe maybe these kids are going to get major deals. Shoe deals. Well, that's a possibility. I mean, it's Wild Wild West, I said. It, it is. It's, it's a wilderness out there. It is Wild Wild West. It's not Wagon Train just yet. It's not the Oregon Trail either. It's not that bad. It's, it's the Wild Wild West. We don't know what's going to happen. But now these kids are going to have to take from the social media influencer. I mean, next thing you know, you could see, could you see Grant Wells monetizing Grant Wells' name on Twitch? He could be on Twitch making that Twitch money. He could be making that streamer money. He could be on YouTube. He could be an influencer. He could be like some former athletes who have taken to Instagram and becoming a social media influencer And you see products within their carefully orchestrated photogenic hosts and making money. You can see Grant Wells being a social media influencer. Eli Neal could be a social media influencer now, making money off of just being Eli Neal. I would like to make money off of being Paul Swan. Grant Wells can make money off of being Grant Wells. Eli Neal, he can be making money off of being Eli Neal. And when we continue, we're going to wrap it up with today's edition of the drive. I've got to, we got to make money for, we got to make money so I can be here and try to make money as Paul Swan. We'll be back after the break here on ESPN 94.1 at AM 930. You're listening to the drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We'll wrap it up today's edition of the drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Sad news for those of you who follow professional wrestling. Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful. He's a WWE Hall of Famer and one of the first four men to main event the first ever WrestleMania. Passed away today at the age of 71. The news was announced by his son, 
Travis Orndorff on an Instagram post. Uh, cause of death not given at this time. Uh, Paul Orndorff, before his wrestling career, a college football star at the University of Tampa. He was selected by the New Orleans Saints in the 1973 NFL Draft. Uh, didn't pass the physical, though. Never played in the NFL. Then he began his wrestling career. He was a part of some of the, the NWA territories. He was in the WWE. He was a manager. I'm sorry. He was managed by Rowdy Roddy Piper, and he started with Hogan feuding. And so he was in the main event of the first ever WrestleMania. Him, Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. And at that point, that's when I think wrestling, not for the hardcore. If you were hardcore in it, you 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 were watching the the old. Georgia Championship Wrestling. You were watching Mid South Wrestling, Mid Atlantic Wrestling. You were watching, you you were watching all those. I guess regional. I mean, wrestling was like regional back then, and and WWE was like, no, no, no. We're our territory is wherever we declare it to be. And so, wrestling was becoming mainstream again. And Paul Orndorff was a big part of that. He had success as a tag champion. Uh, went back to WCW, wrestled there. But, I mean, you just couldn't mistake Mr. Wonderful. That was a great shtick, him. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff. And he could back it up, too. And so he passes away, age of 71. That was sort of a kick today to the, the stomach because you, know, you remember these guys. Part of your childhood, growing up, watching professional wrestling and it was a little bit more cartoony than in the WWE. It really got cartoony for a while. I mean, there was an actual wrestling cartoon. It did get cartoony, but Paul Orndorff was a tremendous talent, and he passes away at 71, and I hate to see that. I mean, wrestlers pass away at such a an early age. I mean, 71's not not terribly old. It's I mean, you've lived a good life, but still, 71's pretty young compared to to some um, some other guys who are making it to their 80s or 90s. So you hate to hear that, but still. Um, Paul Orndorff passing away at age of 71. There will only be one Mr. Wonderful. And um, he was uh, definitely uh, a important part of the renaissance of wrestling, especially the WWE. It was then the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation, surge into the mainstream that's going to do it for this edition thanks for tuning in we'll be back tomorrow we're going to do it all over again with you here on espn 94.1 and am 9 30 home run derby coming up tonight eight o'clock you can listen to it right here or on cat sports 93.3 and 13:40. we got the all-star game tomorrow be back here tomorrow we'll have more for you good night everyone